Good morning. Welcome to Skyview Community Church. If you are visiting with us, I want to extend a warm welcome to you. I'm Stuart Williams. Actually, Stuart Norman Williams. Yes. Um, some of you are shocked. Um, in fact, when I was uh, called to be an associate pastor in Toronto, and uh, Michelle Hine was in the youth group then, uh, she heard that they hired a pastor named Stuart Norman Williams. And Ruthann, I'm not going to give Ruthann's middle name, that's hers to declare, Ruthann Williams. They thought, oh, this sounds like awfully senior people for youth ministry. <laughs> but I welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you. May the blessing of Christ be upon your family. May the joy of Christ be in your home. And may as you anticipate the year to come, his grace be more than sufficient to meet every need, to guide, to bless, and to protect. Amen? Amen. Would you pray this prayer with me as we prepare to hear the word of the Lord? And I'm reading from Psalm 89 this morning. Let us pray. Almighty God, feed us with your word that we might be filled with the bread of life. Awaken and illumine us by your word. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 89. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness, and your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. Long ago, you spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have raised up a warrior. I have selected him from the common people to be king. I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. I will steady him with my hand. With my powerful arm, I will make him strong. His enemies will not defeat him. Nor will the wicked overpower him. I will beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. My faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him. And by my authority, he will grow in power. I will extend his rule over the sea, his dominion over the rivers, and he will call out to me, you are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. The word of the Lord. Our chosen pathway through Advent, at least scripturally, may have caught some of us off guard. Why the Psalms? And why Psalms of Lament in particular? And why not, Stu, the, the birth narratives in the Gospels? 
the stories of angels appearing, the stories uh, we often associate most intimately with this season that we call Christmas. One of the reasons, at least, is to suggest to us that as Christians, we are invited to walk very carefully and intentionally towards this day of celebration. It is not to be anything less than a joyous celebration that God has come to us, but such celebration follows an honest accounting of what it means to live in a world that is still awaiting the fulfillment of God's promises. In fact, the birth narratives themselves, which we read uh, very particularly, sometimes not too slowly and intentionally, will show us that Christ was born into a pretty difficult time and season in the world. There was threat. There was danger. His own life as an infant itself was under threat. Some of the songs we sing, like O Holy Night, for example, does solicit within some of us, and we're going to sing that right after this. I'm excited about that. But does solicit this kind of sentimentality that we associate with the season. It brings back memories, maybe good feelings. Maybe even you can recall the first time you sang it with your family or in your church service. But even in that song, we hear this reality that hope arrives amidst darkness and even challenge. Listen to the opening lines of O Holy Night. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long, long, long. Lay the world in sin and error pining, longing. In fact, I looked for a dictionary definition of the word pining, and this is what it said. Suffering with or expressing a longing or yearning for someone or something to come. And so even in this well-beloved song that we will sing in a moment, there is the sense that hope arrives not in the perfect, peaceful still of night, but perhaps in some of the most challenging and difficult seasons of life. This past year for some of us have been difficult. Dare I say this past year for some of us, or for most of us, have had challenges. If there's any of us here this morning who could say to me, Stu, my year went according to the plans I made at the beginning of January that I, I, I can assure you that nothing unexpected happened and there's been no setbacks or challenges, frustrations or disappointments. Please raise your hand because we need to listen to you this morning. <laughs> but there is this reality at this particular time that acknowledges the real lives we live. In fact, the Psalms are one of the most honest portions of Scripture to help us to recognize that we can have hope amidst the realities we face. In fact, Psalm 89 comprises 52 verses. I did not read all of those verses for you today, 
but it begins with God's unfailing love and faithfulness in verses 1 through 2, and then it explains that God's unfailing love and faithfulness was bestowed upon His chosen servant David for the sake of God's people. But towards the middle part of the psalm, the psalmist recalls the way in which it seems that God has forgotten, renounced abandoned his very commitment to David and to his people. In fact, the words used in verse 46 of the psalm is that God has hidden himself. Now with the psalms, it's often hard to know the true historical context that birthed these psalms. And we can't know for sure what Psalm 89 is linked to, except that in verses 38 to 45, it gives us a potential hint that the psalm was likely composed around the time that Babylonian, that the Babylonian exile took place where Jerusalem was attacked and the people of God was taken into exile. And it seemed like the end of David's monarchy as the temple was destroyed and the hope of the people dashed. Some say that if this is true, then the author of the psalm is the last king in the line of David, Zedekiah himself, who reminds God of God's commitments and plans and says, we did not think that it would go this way. Have you been there? Thinking that somehow the life you're living is not the life you should be living. Somehow thinking that perhaps the commitments and promises that have been made to you that are yet unfulfilled feels like somehow either God is not listening, is uninterested, or He is absent. I think personally our lives can feel that way, especially when we know that God is faithful and that He is God. For those of us who believe that God is able to do, as the Apostle Paul so beautifully puts it, immeasurably more than we could think or ask, it is a hard thing to deal with that reality amidst the unmet in us. Perhaps for some of us at this time of year, the temptation is to forget and not think about the reality not only of our own lives, but the world within which we live. It seems that humanity is immune to peace. It seems that seasons of peace are fleeting and that the best we can do these days is to not pay attention to news because it would remind us of this reality that our world is still a world of disunity, of conflict, of pain, and of loss. The psalmist cries out, How long will you, God, will you be hidden? How long will you be angry? Where is the former great love that you once bestowed upon your servant and your people? And then the psalmist exclaims, remember us in case you've forgotten. But not only has this journey through the Psalms invited us to an honesty about our own lives and the world in which we live, but it's, it's postured us for 
what comes thereafter. It's postured us for Christmas Eve and the Christmas season. It has prepared us to enter into the hope of God honestly, not without recognizing that all is perhaps not well in us or even in our world. In fact, one of the, one of the realities that we see in, in, in Psalm 89 is that God's unfailing love and faithfulness reveals itself even in the messiness of David's own life and experience. David is remembered, as many of you know, as one of Israel's greatest kings. Yet one of the most memorable acts as king was his abuse of his power, his assault of a woman that belonged, was married to another man, Bathsheba, and killing her husband Uriah to cover up his own crime. In fact, in chapter 1 of the Gospel of Matthew, we are given the family tree, the family lineage of Jesus, and Jesus is named as the son of David in the very first verse, and then goes on to show us, Matthew goes on to show us how Jesus is descended from King David through Solomon, who was the son of David, and Bathsheba. In fact, in Matthew 1, in the lineage she is not even named, but referenced as the wife of Uriah. The original hearers of the account that Matthew portrays, the lineage that he reads, would have remembered that this beloved king, this beloved king that they looked towards, from which the Scriptures attest Jesus himself arisen, was a man who had problems, shortcomings, and failures. And yet, by the grace of God and His plan and commitment to His people, not even the messiness and the failure of David's life could keep away the promise of the coming Messiah. Psalm 89 tells us that the unfailing love and faithfulness of God shows up within a messy family tree, and it can show up within our own families also. Does your family feel messy sometimes? Some of you don't want to answer because your family's sitting with you. Do you often wonder how God's plan can be fulfilled when you look at the tribe from which you come? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've said this to you many times, but the truth is there, that there is no perfect family. There's no perfect human family. There are stories, and, and there are issues, and there are challenges, and there are shortcomings, and there are failures. There's histories. There's pain. There is oftentimes confusion. There are times in each one of our families where we may ask the question that the psalmist asks, God, where are you in this mess that you call brothers and sisters? Where are you in this family that you've given me? And yet, 
David's story, perhaps in a different way, prepares us to enter into this Christmas season, not only with an honesty that all is not well in the world, that all is not well within the families that we come from, but with the hope that the God who is repeatedly defined throughout the psalm as the one who has unfailing love and is more faithful than David could ever be to him, he will be faithful and make his promises true by coming in the person of Christ himself. Thanks be to God that He does not keep us from the messiness or keep Himself from our messiness, but enters in to the real lives we live. One of the reasons we do not discern the presence of God in a full, dynamic, and transformative way in our lives is because we have relegated God to only be present when things feel a certain way. Or we say to ourselves, God couldn't possibly be interested in stepping into the mess that we know is true of us. But the faithfulness of God and His unfailing love is the bedrock of our Christian faith. It is not because of how we have managed to become who we are. It is not on account of our own efforts, no matter how sincere and committed. It is only because God comes with mercy, grace, and covenant commitment and faithfulness that no matter where we've been and what we've done, at this season we prepare to receive that which He promised He will do, that He will bring His grace upon us and upon this world. Like David, our family legacies can be a part of this amazing story. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? The places and the people from which we come can be grafted in to an incredible story of hope. That God deals with real people, real lives, real brokenness, real pain, real disappointment, and even with sin. And by His grace is able to invite us into His presence and into His purpose. The truth of this season as we enter into it is that God is here in the midst of our real lives. In the midst of our real messes, in the midst of uh, the sin that has been done to us and also the sin we have done to others, God draws near. Perhaps it is an important posture before such a gracious God to recognize that that we can draw near to Him, and maybe like David, we too can become honest, can become open, can confess the ways in which our lives willfully has abandoned such belief and faith and trust. Perhaps this Christmas season, some of us will be able to look at our families differently, seeing that sometimes we have judged them in light of the families we've seen around us, thinking, man, some other people have it a lot easier than me. Maybe this year, the Lord would grant you a grace 
to love those closest to you in ways that you have yet to learn how to love, modeling for them an an unfailing love and a faithfulness that reflects the very God who comes in Christ. Maybe this season, maybe this season, in your very homes, in our very homes, we may learn to demonstrate the optimism that comes from a God who works through human imperfection. All of our imperfections, all of our shortcomings, all of our failures, and even our sins, the Prince of Peace longs to draw near to us and once again to bring us to a place of lasting hope and true peace. We can sing with hope on this holy night, not because things are perfect for us, but God's love is perfect and unfailing. We can sing with hope amidst the unmet needs in our lives, because we know that the one who's committed himself to be faithful does not lie. We can rejoice amidst our mourning and even our pain. Because we know the one who has come and that we celebrate at his first coming tonight is the one who will return again to make all things new. We know that he is the one that has overcome the worst of what can happen to us. The worst that can face, that we can face. The challenges that would come our way and yet maintain not only a posture of love and gratefulness in relationship to the Father but showed us what it means to hold out hope even when it seems impossible. I don't know whether someone here needs to hear that the family you have is not beyond the grace of God. The place from which you come is not actually immune to His faithful love and presence. And maybe this time around the the family dinner table, you guys looking forward to that? (laughs) Thank you, Jordan. (laughs) One one person's looking forward. Uh, Maybe uh, when, when, when the family starts coming into town, anybody got family coming into town? Yeah, no? Is that by intention or? <laughs> Maybe as, as we gather together, and, and, and some of us may feel like, uh, you know, the, the, those gatherings should be short so we can continue to love each other well. <laughs> uh, Ruthann and I have never lived close to family, and so our Christmases have always been very simple and very small, and, and perhaps we, we come to appreciate and enjoy that. We certainly do at times miss having other family close. But maybe this season, you can enter into it with the courage to love the people God has placed in your life as your family, even the difficult ones and the disappointing ones. Maybe there's some of us who needs to receive grace within our families 
because we have felt that we have let them down. Maybe there's some of us who feels that we are the black sheep, so to speak, of the flock that God has placed us in. And yet our text would point us towards this hope, that the one who promised that he would bring about his perfect will and plan for all creation does not lie. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Would you stand with me as we prepare to sing uh, this wonderful Christmas song, perhaps with renewed understanding and growing faith and trust. And uh, I'm going to be the third singer alongside you. Can I do that? Please turn my mic off. No, I'm kidding. But would we... (laughs) Yes, do not put it in her monitor. We want her to... But would we sing together as a response to the invitation to receive the love of God in our lives and in our families? Let us sing.